Welcome to Tony Steak Podcast. Welcome to the Tony Steak Podcast, episode 336. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we have Off-Road Andy. Hello. And Tony Katz. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button, share with a friend, and check out our sports podcast. Andy, are you in a hole? <laughs> what? It sounded weird. Okay. That's better. All right, well, we've got a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, first things first, I got a dog. Ooh. I rescued a little uh, Maltese Terrier mix from a, a rescue uh, organization, and uh, he's very good. He, oh, this is the first I'm hearing of it. This is crazy news. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's uh he's got some separation anxiety, but that's about it so far. So we're working on that. But he's in studio right now, yeah, which is he's, nice. He's this on is the couch. Uh, Andy and I got to meet. Uh, I want you to tell the world his name, Sean. His name is Murphy. Murphy. He's three years old, and he likes Big long walks on the sidewalk, and uh, he's he's very mellow about food. Like I feel like dogs are evolving. Like. If you fill up their bowl, he's like, yeah, it's not going anywhere. I'm the only dog here. I'll get to it when I'm ready. Versus like, you know, dogs of, you know, yesterday, like, holy shit, this might be all that's it for, for like the rest of my life. I have to eat the bowl even. It's like, I like that. I like that I don't have to, you know, monitor this guy from choking on his on his food that no one else is eating. Someone is at the door. <laughs> that's got to be a package. That's funny. <laughs> all right. Um. Yeah, he's very good. Out, um, he's still coming into himself. Like I, I, he, I got him a little tennis ball that squeaks, and he has played with it a couple of times. And he likes a uh, a little bone so far, but it's pretty funny. He'll he'll pass out under the couch and under the bed because he's so small. I think he feels you know kind of safe there, but it's pretty funny. I think we've had some friends that have passed out on beds and bushes before, yeah. couches. But yeah, he's a good little boy and. He's pretty fun so far. Well, very good. Glad to glad to hear. You know, getting a getting a dog. I uh, it's been a while since I've had my own pet. I think. I think all I I don't even know what I've had. I mean, I guess I yeah. live with a cat, but it's I'll not technically this. my cat. What about you, Andy? You ever get you know, yourself a dog a one day or something? I tried to, to get cat? Andy into it, but tarantula. That. That's Andy's I, spirit animal. No, absolutely not. Not a well, pug. Well, there was a pug that was a, a spirit animal. Really no, spirit I don't animals? like them at all. I don't like them at all either. Yeah. They snore loud. They're ugly. It's, it reminds you of Men in Black. It's, like, it's just a, the movie. But yeah, if you are looking, go to rescue shelters. Don't go just buy a dog from a, a breeder. Um, if you can, try and... I'm doing the Bob Barker move. You know, have your pet spayed and neutered because there's too many of them in there. Agreed. In the pound? <laughs> yeah, he would always say the at the end of the right. show, have your pet spayed and neutered. You don't remember that? Oh, okay. Andy, come on. No, I don't. <laughs> it's like, that just, that I don't was, remember that. Either. I don't really think summer, I watched The Price is Right. That was the only good show on, like, you know, borderline good show before it was nonsense My, because we didn't have digital cable. Oh, no. I didn't. My, I didn't watch. It mine was stuff. Jerry Springer uh, and Maury, yeah, baby. That was his sign-off every every episode. Yeah, Make no, sure I you did. have your pet spayed and neutered. I'm Bob Barker. My long microphone. I don't even know what that means. Well, uh, 
I guess yeah, uh, let's hear about is yours. that it for your story, Sean? Should we move on to my story? All right. Uh, this is going to be a good story. I'm going to, you guys are going to enjoy this one, I think. And I hope the listeners do as well. So yesterday morning, I I woke up, which was a great start to the day. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I have my bathrooms in my room. So, and it's a, it's a small bathroom. It's got a, you know, a tub in it and everything, but it's a small bathroom. And I, uh, I'm in there, I'm doing my morning thing, brushing my teeth, you know, whatever, deodorant, cologne, whatever, getting ready to start the day. And I walk back into my room and I look back. And as I look back, I realized that after I saw what I saw, so I'll just tell you what I saw. I saw one of those big water bugs, the things that kind of look like cockroaches, but they're, they're technically water bugs, but they're, they're a good size. And this was a very good size one. And I completely forgot that I had had my window open in my room for the last like three days and my screen is broken at the bottom and it's significantly broken to the point where like if I'm locked out of the house, I will go through the backyard and I can go through my screen door or my screen window, whatever you want to call it. So that's like how much space there is. So clearly this thing crawled in from the the backyard is my guess. And it was in my bathroom and I saw it and it was like 6.15 in the morning and it's a Monday morning at that. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, fuck. So I'm like, I went in to go to like to attempt to go step on it. And it was, those things are quicker than you think. And it ran under my sink and I'm like, ah, whatever. I'll just deal with it later in the hope that it'll be gone. Like it'll just, maybe it'll go down a drain or maybe it'll come out of my room and go into the hallway and go to my roommate's room or something. Like that's the stuff I was thinking of. Like maybe I won't have to see him again or her. And I, so I come home yesterday, uh, and you know, it's one of those things where I'm opening the bathroom door and I'm kind of like, you know, expecting to see something like I'm ready to go to battle if I need to, nothing's there. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Uh, I go on a run, little, little run. So I come back. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to take a shower. So I got like a couple towels on my shower and I have them hanging over the shower. But before I jump in the shower, whatever towel I use, I will grab it and I'll throw it on the toilet, which is right next to the shower. So that way it doesn't get wet while I'm showering. And then when I get out of the shower, you know, I step on the little mat that I have on the bathroom floor and I'll go grab the towel. So shower was done. I go, I get out of the shower. I reach, I grab the towel and I'm wiping myself with the towel and I feel what felt like a tag like of like clothing, like something like hitting me. I'm like, that feels, feels weird. I look, it's the oh. fucking water bug was in my towel and it's touching me. I yell. I let out one of these. Ah! And I fucking throw the towel. I see it. It's on the ground. And then thankfully, like my where my bathroom door is like against the wall there in my room, I have shoes and I grabbed a shoe and these things are strong. Like they do not die on the first hit. And it, it gave like a good three to five whacks before I was able to kill this thing. And it was horrifying. Like that was out of like a horror movie. And the, the crazy thing is too, is I don't know about you guys, but when I get out of the shower, the first thing I do is I, I dry my hair and then I go for the body. And so if I would have dried my hair and then all of a sudden I looked in the mirror and this thing was on my head, like it we would have had a whole nother story on our hands. But instead, it was just like against my chest. And I was like, what the fuck? And then I saw it crawling in the towel, like against me. And I yeah, was straight out of like a horror movie. And <laughs> that was something. And then uh, I go upstairs 
Like once I clo- mind you, all this happened while I was naked as well. Like I'm beating this thing in the shoe. I'm naked wow. on my fucking bedroom floor. And yeah, I know. Yeah. For that visual for everybody out there. But, uh, so I get dressed and I go upstairs and my roommate, he's studying on the couch. Uh, and he, I look at him and I'm like, well, I just had an adventure down there. He's like, yeah, it sounded like it. And I'm like, yeah. I, uh, and I told him the story. I just told all of you fine people. And he just was like, wow. And he kind of like, you know, laughed, whatever. But it's just funny because like I yelled and you could hear like banging, like there was definitely commotion going down and, Anybody that knows my roommate would know that it's it's not surprising that he did not give a shit at all. But Sean, I was saying this that if this happened and the roles were switched and I was st- we were still living with uh, oh, producer Luke, yeah. he would have come Intruder. downstairs with a gun and been like, "What's going on?" <laughs> like he was he was very alert on every situation. But I mean, some people are just very laid back and don't care. Some people are very on the scene expecting the worst. And uh, I think Luke probably would have thought that aliens like, were coming uh, out of my bathroom tub I, I need or something. I to be in the but, shower uh, bathroom. Nope, just a water uh, bug you, uh, attacking me. For a couple of days. Yeah. He, you know, what's funny is I actually told my mom this story yesterday when I, after I told her this, that Luke told me once when I was living with him, Sean, that uh, to not lock my bedroom door at night, just in case there was an emergency and he needed to break into my room and help me. Yep. And I'm like, that's just how, that's just how producer Luke is. <laughs> There will be no locking yeah. of the doors. He lives in a in case you need to be dangerous saved. neighborhood. <laughs> Things go down over there. Yeah, well, yeah, that's. Well, I mean, I think yeah. I mean, I don't know what he's thinking. Like, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, but, but yeah, that was my my little story. Almost little like, uh, uh, the scene in water the great bug or adventure. Something. <laughs> yeah, and I felt like I was in the great outdoors, and I uh, I have yet there I have now shut my. Uh, bedroom window and uh probably not open it again for at least a while you should buy a dehumidifier yeah the humidity here has been insane (laughs) um i'm surprised you have your your window even open the humidity has been insane actually speaking of that sean uh marty an old friend of ours from the wheel talks podcast he actually sent a screenshot of the weather he's out and lives in st petersburg florida now he sent a screenshot to me and sunny who was in uh his friend in the the wheel talks podcast that it was currently raining yesterday and it was 95 degrees, but with the rain and humidity, it felt like 106. Oh. And Sonny even asked him in the group text, he's like, well, does the water at least cool you down? And Marty came back with one of the best responses I've ever heard and said, Sonny, does a hot shower cool you down? <laughs> and I thought that was one of the best best comebacks I've ever heard in my life. I laughed pretty hard at that. So shout out to, to those fine gentlemen. Really gnarly humidity there. Um, well, it's almost October, uh, which means it's almost, you know, to the end of this, September. even though it's basically <laughs> just the start of the heat and all of that stuff. But moving on, uh, we do have a local news story that's uh, kind of bizarre. Um, not something you'd expect to uh, see. But have you guys heard about this uh judge in anaheim uh, hills accused of murdering his wife i did because my uh stepdad is uh, was a santa Ana cop and they know this judge personally whoa yeah they uh they've worked with him before because when they've had to uh sentence guys you know this was the guy and they actually told me that have this judge actually i guess in the past he used to fool around a lot also and whatnot like which reminds me of mayor quimby in the simpsons there's been a lot of simpsons references in both podcasts <laughs> tonight but uh 
but yeah, no, my mom, my mom's the one that told me about it. And, uh, yeah, my stepdad and, uh, one of my, uh, mom's good friends who was, uh, one of the guys I still play fantasy football with actually with my dad's friends. Uh, they, uh, they were talking about it. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty crazy story. I mean, there's, I'll let you continue on here, but I just wanted to talk about how like, yeah, I've my, uh, you know, there's definitely some connection and there's, it's kind of crazy. Cause it's like, I can't even begin to think what the motive was. Cause I know I saw something that said earlier that day, he had posted a, a, uh, a Facebook memory that was from 10 years ago of him and his wife. And he was basically like, Oh, I like this look on you or something like that. But, uh, yeah, t- uh, tell us more, Sean. Well, my thought immediately went to uh, Dr. Richard Kimball um, from The Fugitive. I did not kill my wife. And then Tommy Lee Jones is like, I don't care. Um, maybe this is some sort of setup. Uh, I don't know. Probably not. But you definitely don't anticipate hearing this news story. I think it was over the weekend and uh, allegedly shot her, uh, his wife. And I believe even their son was there trying to administer CPR. Yeah, he he was, yeah. So very bizarre. Uh, Anaheim Hills is a pretty upscale area too, where I don't think a lot of that kind of stuff happens. Well, and that was like one of the things I read. Solving a judge. That was one of the things I read too. Is like people knew, like you know, in the neighborhood, like oh, that's the judge's house. Like they all knew that. And the, one of the witnesses said that you know it's a quiet area and they're in the hills, so things echo. And she said they like you could hear like a scream and then like an even louder scream and then like she claimed she heard like don't shoot me or like something like that. So I mean it's it's kind of crazy. And I was told from my mom again, like from my stepdad who who knows people that still work at the courthouse that he texted that apparently the judge was he was drunk also. So and I mean when you see his picture, his mugshot, I mean he it looks like alcohol has been a thing of his his time. He's kind of got like that red dead face. Yeah. Well, too. Yeah, that too. All right. Well, but yeah, I mean, you, n- you never know. Yeah. But I'm glad you brought the story up because I actually thought about it too. And I forgot the, to uh, mention it, but uh, yeah, the orange County, uh, what was he like the superior judge? Something along those lines. Yeah. He's been in the thing for like 10 years or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we've seen his signs all around town. Jeffrey Ferguson. You know, you, I'm, you know, when it's voting season, you see all those signs, you know, you start to, you start to know these last names, you know, and I definitely have seen some Ferguson signs, I feel like. So, uh, yeah, pretty wild. Crazy. You never know, you never know who to trust. And, uh, then they were, you know, talking about the whole thing about like the fact that a judge is going to jail. I mean, he's the one that has sentenced all these guys that are already well, in there. They, the court case can't be in Orange County because he'll know too many people there. And he's also out on, uh, he's all, he is out on bail, bail, I believe also his bail was a million dollars. Yeah. Nice to have that around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Uh, also, again, you never know. Maybe he knew some people that made it a little less than a million dollars. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, move- crazy story on the list. Yeah. Moving on. We have a uh, William Friedkin passing away at the age of 87. Tony, you'll know him for uh, directing The Exorcist. Ooh. Yeah. This, this Bummer story- he can't see the new one then. Yeah. This story is, is, is crazy because... I was going to be bringing this guy up on this episode anyways, even before his death. Ominous Andy. I can get into why that is, but um, he has been on the mind a lot lately. Uh, The first thing is, of course, yeah, the new Exorcist movie. We talked about that trailer a couple weeks ago, but, um, you know, he he directed the the first one, and it's kind of like the classic horror movie that 
of all the horror movies. Yeah. Um, but he also directed the uh, French Connection in 1971, uh, won Best Picture. I believe he won Best Director. Gene Hackman won Best Actor. Just, you know, another all-time classic movie. Um, so back-to-back, 71 and 73, making two American classics there. Um, pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, then the, the other reason that he was on my mind was, um, I think a couple weeks ago, talked about the Venice Film Festival um, and what was going to be showing there. Uh, one of the, the movies that's going to be there, be there is a movie he directed. He hasn't directed a movie in over a decade, um, but he has a new one that he that he made and in, in you know the late eight in his late eighties he made another film and uh, what will be end up being his last. So uh, that's that's interesting that he's got another project out there. Um, but then also one of his movies, one of the movies I've seen that I enjoyed very much, uh, got re-released on 4k and, uh, just came out a couple weeks ago and, uh, I, I bought it a couple weeks ago and, and I got it, uh, recently and I had it ready to, to watch. Um, so that's kind of just weird timing there. I mean, I guess when you're 87, it could happen at any moment, but just that there's kind of like three stories involving him. Uh, just in the past couple weeks, all involving then, you. Hmm. Yeah. Did I did I make this happen Suspicious, by Andy. by being one of the thousands of people to buy that 4K re release? Yep. I don't think so. But uh, but yeah, I, I do want to you know pursue more of his uh, movies that I haven't seen because he worked for uh, a very long time. But uh, the last movie that he made that's come out was a uh, Killer Joe with Matt McConaughey, which is a pretty good movie. Um, not not a big movie in any way. Okay. Well, yeah, uh, it will be remembered, and uh, yeah, that's one of the biggest horror films of all time. Uh, oh yeah, maybe the biggest. Yeah, I think so. Uh, and uh, we will see October thirteenth, just a couple months away. We will see it again. Oh yeah, pretty spooky. on the big screen. Oh. All right. Well, everyone knows uh, Brad Taylor, right, from uh, Home Improvement. Okay. Well, Zach, I know Tim Allen for Zachary Ty Bryan uh, has yeah. been arrested again on again domestic abuse charges in Eugene, Oregon, and uh, yeah, not uh, not going so well for him. Uh, he was arrested like in 2021, I think, for like the same thing. So, woof. I don't think we're gonna be seeing a home improvement reunion. Anytime soon. What uh? What kid was he in the home Brad, improvement? The oldest one. I was gonna say uh, there was what two or three kids in three, home improvement. So there's three boys, yeah, right? Jonathan Taylor Thomas is uh. Yeah, I know he, the youngest, right? He was the middle. Mark was the, the okay. littlest one, and he's also kind of off the grid. All all three of them are kind of out of it. But I watched a lot of uh. I mean, not a lot, but I watched Home Improvement a decent amount as a child. But it wasn't like one of the shows that I watched religiously enough to know like the characters' names and like anybody other than Tim Allen and then the guy that hosted Family Feud and then the guy that only put his like forehead above the fence. Yeah, it was Wilson's key character. Oh, yeah. He passed Wilson. away. Earl Hinman. Oh, he did. Yeah, a little while ago. Damn. And nobody ever saw his face, huh? Yeah. Forever. Never. <laughs> Never. I had a dream. As it was, is the guy that hosted Family Feud still Steve alive? Harvey. No, the with oh, the beard. Richard Carn. Yeah, he's yeah, still around. Bob Warland, yes. Didn't he have some like wasn't there an issue with him in Family Feud? Didn't he like have to leave? I don't think so, I but I thought he I had like a scandal or something. It. Like he was Too like either like, Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, they rotated hosts a lot and then like Steve Harvey's like, I'll just do it for forty years, it's fine. Yeah. 
Well, they had the long host that like the one guy hung himself. Yeah. And then they had the Richard Dawson that only kissed the white women. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. The running man. <laughs> yeah. My favorite. The running man. You know, the running uh, man. I thought you were talking about in this game show. Oh, he did. But that he's playing basically himself in that movie. Interesting. No. Yeah. Well, I'll turn it on when we finish the podcast. <laughs> but yeah, uh, hopefully this guy can get things sorted out. Um, not good. All right, Andy, tell us about Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, so he is a, um, a playwright, musician, a very, very famous guy. Uh, Hamilton, remember Hamilton? That was a big it's also thing. Also, your enthusiasm. Um, yeah. yeah, I think people know who he is. Uh, he is going to be adapting The Warriors for uh, a new Broadway musical. Uh, the Warriors is a is a film I, I really love and uh, would not have expected this to be adapted into a musical. Now, uh, it is based on a novel, so he's likely adapting the novel, but still a weird choice. But also, you can kind of see how it could work. But uh, and the Warriors is a, is about a gang called the Warriors who are um, targeted by all the other gangs in the city, and they have to get back to their home turf to you know survive yeah, their new um, arena. It's just, a, it's just a cool, yeah, just a cool movie. Uh, I'd like to see what is done with this. It's got like the famous scene where the guy's got the beer bottles. Beer bottles, the of course. Yeah. And even though I think the Golden State Warriors even play that in yeah. their arena. The Baseball Furies, that's probably what people, another thing people know from this movie. And it's one of the gangs, people that wear baseball uniforms. Mm. And they attack you with bats. I've never seen this movie, actually. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really neat. Um, we'll have to see what he does. Because, I mean, like... He, in addition to Hamilton, Lin-Manuel Miranda is basically known for writing a bunch of Disney songs now. Like They always hire him for all their uh, movies like Moana and that kind of stuff. And uh, what's the the thing that's very popular from a couple years? Encanto. Encanto. That's what I was thinking of. So, um, Very good. Interesting project here. Yeah. All right. What about Leslie David Baker? Um, if you don't know his name, you probably sh- shouldn't because it's not someone you would know. Uh, by name, you would know him as Stanley, of course. Oh, Stanley yeah. from the I office. almost put this story in here. I'm glad you did. Yeah, he uh, is giving back all the Kickstarter money that he raised uh, for a sitcom that he wanted to star in, create, write, all this kind of stuff. Uh, that was kind of an office spinoff, except that he didn't have the legal rights to make an office spinoff because, you know, he didn't create the character. So. Who? Um, but he was going to make an unlicensed spinoff and just pretend that it is, even though it isn't. Who would watch this? Like, I read the thing. It was about him being retired in Florida and having to go to California to help, like, his niece with a business. Yeah, which is, like, I don't know. Like, Stanley is a good character in an ensemble. Does not work as a main guy. Well, I, like, I did enjoy when it, it fucking, they go to... Florida, where like Jackson Hole, Jackson, whatever it was, or wherever they went in in Miami or Florida, somewhere, and he gets that ET Cruiser is wearing the big uh, Cuban hat, and he's like, you know, I don't know, he's like, uh, I don't know, he's on vacation, kind of a thing. It's pretty entertaining. I could have gone for a show just like that. I don't need him you know, reworking the the biz. Uh, it, it reminded me a lot of when Joey had that spinoff of Friends called Joey, and. The whole thing that yeah. anyone took away from that is like, oh, his hair is actually gray. And then it got canceled. Like, Yeah, that was my thought. was like, if Joey can't make it, then why would this? Yeah. Um, but yeah, they also get, you make a good point there is 
the whole character of Stanley is that he was a guy who hated working and wanted to retire. So it doesn't make any sense for his character to then, I got to go back into business here. And he was never, was he ever good? He was an average. I don't don't think, you know, I think Dwight was the best salesman, him and Jim, maybe Andy even uh, towards the end. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think he was up there, but I don't think he was ever like, maybe early seasons they say something about him being, you know, a good salesman or something. But he does love pretzel day. I rewatch all of these. Um, but he did raise uh, over $300,000, which was more than what they were asking for. So they really were supposed to make this show, um, but it's not going to happen. And he's doing the right thing, giving back all the money. Uh, so he didn't he didn't embezzle at all. But um, yeah, just weird. And especially there's other ways to make money off of being on The Office. Like almost all the other side characters are on Cameo. They all go do events uh, for stuff because it's just kind of like, yeah, I need to. They probably don't make too much money. So his net worth allegedly Um, on the celebrity net worth website is four million. I don't, I don't buy that at all. But I mean, one of the things, one of the reasons they're striking is because people aren't getting residuals on the streaming stuff, and The Office never really made a ton, did that well when it was on regular TV. It became a huge hit when it was on Netflix, and now it's on Peacock. I mean, they still air it on like Comedy Central, but. I don't know what the residuals are for the 14th lead on a sitcom. I don't know. Boy, have you lost your mind? Because I'll help you find it. Yeah. Was he the 14th lead, do you think? I mean, he's he was not in the top five. No, that's 100% true. Uh, it might be in the back half. No, you're, of the top you're, 10. you might be right. I mean, there was obviously. Every you know, person on that Michael show Scott, is so solid. Number one. <laughs> yeah, let's try to. Let's try to rank them. Okay, so Steve Carell, obviously number one. I would Dwight, say Dwight's two. Jim. Dwight two. Krasinski three. Jim three, yeah. I would Jenna agree with Fisher, that. Jenna Fisher four. Yeah. Yeah, not. and then from there they're all like a, a that's like the, I mean I think honestly Ed Helms yeah. came in and was like oh Ed Helms we're talking first is higher like than him, few yeah. seasons we're talking about original uh, like yeah. there, that's the first tier oh then tier two you have Mindy Kaling you have B J Novak you have uh, Stanley you have uh, Kevin Phyllis, Phyllis. Meredith. Creed. Kevin, I would I would argue Kevin's Creed five is maybe spectacular. Creed, Creed's a silent I assassin. I love the episode he's sitting at the. <laughs> If it's you know they say like pound for pound, Allen Iverson was the best ever. Word for word, Creed is the actual number one. Like the work uh, lunchroom, and he's across from Meredith, I think, and he he just looks at her and he's like puts his food down. He's like he puts his hand over the table and just Creed, like he's introducing himself. (laughs) Oh yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, that's there's also a line. He's like, oh, I finished my uh, my work months ago. (laughs) When they're saying what they do around there. Solid. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, yeah, where Stanley would have been. Probably Flanderson. I mean, definitely not top five, but I would maybe the back end of yeah. top ten. Maybe like a nine or ten character, you know, I would say, Peacock, overall. on Peacock, there's, like, the super fan cuts, the extended episodes. Some of them are, you know, another, like, eight or ten minutes longer, which is a long time in a 22-minute show. Uh, but I don't remember the sure. episode anymore, but I watched it, I don't know, last week. One of the ep- events they have... He goes on stage. You know what? Maybe it was when they do the uh, the booze cruise on the uh, the little party boat. He gets on stage with the band and just starts shredding, and everyone's so impressed. And he talks about how like he was a you know a, a, in a rock band and you know huge in Asia or some shit. It's like all of that got cut from the regular you know TV episode. It's like blew it. That was I get it for time, but it was fun. So so I went and googled it. Uh, <sighs> is there like uh, a call sheet is what they call it in the business. Um, and posted by 
Angela, she found a call sheet from an early episode. And uh, Leslie David Baker was sixth oh, on the There you call go. Sheet. Yeah, ahead of Kevin. So he had Rain Wilson, two. John Krasinski, three. Uh, Jenna Fisher, who had a different name, Jenna Kirk, four. Um, so whoever five was is missing oh. from this scene. Um, oh, so maybe know. Cree didn't want to be noticed. Um, but uh, Leslie David Baker, sixth. Seventh, Phyllis Smith. Eighth, Angela Kinsky. Brian Baumgartner. So, so he was. I would put Stanley highest. ahead of. He was the highest of the second tier. He had a lot of funny one-liners. I, I was going to say I would. I would put Stanley ahead of. Yeah. I would put Stanley ahead of Phyllis and Angela. I'm going to guess that number five was actually. Uh, and Meredith. I'm going to say it was Jam. Number She's five. A lot of the early stuff. Yeah. Or, she, she'd been in things. Yeah, she wasn't in every episode, but she was a, a key character. in What about episode. Craig she wasn't Robinson? In much of the yeah. Not in the early seasons. He wasn't uh, as much. Yeah. But I don't know actually when this was. Doesn't say. Let's see. Know. Yeah, but there you go. Yeah, we we, we drifted <laughs> Again, a little he's there. He's not. He's not. Uh, he was not the fourteenth lead, so I apologize. No, no, definitely but, not. Uh, yeah, not in the top five. Well, no. yeah, I guess we won't be seeing that show anytime soon. Um, what we can see is Chris Landon's Scream Seven. Yeah, so uh, Christopher Landon will be directing the next Scream movie. Uh, and not the directors of the previous two, a um, couple guys that uh, used to name Radio Silence as their as their directing name or their their whatever their team name. But uh, they are they were in the middle of filming a movie this summer uh, before it got delayed by the strikes, and it sounds like um, Paramount does not want to wait on them. So like when whenever everything's settled, they'll go back and finish their their movie. And they want to go ahead and make Scream 7 right away. So they, they hired a different director here. Uh, so Christopher Landon is the director of uh, Happy Death Day and Freaky. Um, he's also written like all of the Paranormal Activity movies. Uh, he, he's, he's had a good career. And yeah, I like the movies he's directed. They've got a good uh, tone with them. You know, good comedy horror. Um, but yeah, I don't know how I feel about this. I'd like to let the guys who made the other two uh, make the third one here. Um, the other thing is, I don't think they should go ahead and make another one right away. I think they should give it some time. So they made Scream 6 um, like 14 months after Scream 5. I think you could give it like four years and come back with a Scream 7. You need to, you go, you're going too hard. People are going to get tired of it. But come back like four years from now, I think is the right idea. Um, but no, they, they want to they wanna get, yeah, get on get it. That, so got to get you in uh, that That is the man. plan. So. Yeah, I need a pitch to Paramount. I mean, the thing is, Paramount's like, hey, that movie made $100 million, and we're yeah. kind of broke as a company, so we're going to make Scream 7 as soon as it is possible. That's exactly what they're doing, which I think is a mistake artistically, but yeah. I can't say yeah. financially. You heard it here first, folks. All right, well, I think we'll be getting to what we've been watching, but before <clears throat> we do, that portion of the pod is brought to you by our good friends at thecliplessleash.com. Head over to thecliplessleash.com and pick up the dog leash. You didn't know you need it. This leash works through the dog's current collar or harness. And when you plug in promo code, that is... Tony. T-O-N-Y. 5% off at checkout because they're friends of the pod. Head over to thecliplessleash.com and pick up the dog leash. You didn't know you needed. Guys, mine is on the way. <laughs> Very good. All right, well, um, I listened last week. Yes, I was. Uh, I think you got ahead, ahead of yourself here. I did have a. Oh, I didn't even write here. that down. I forgot about it. 
Yes, yes. I, um, I, if you guys yeah. still want to. Oh yeah, oh, we're always down for a game. So I don't know how fun this game will be. I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't sell it so short so quick. But um, it's not going to be about if you're going to get the right answers because it's going to be difficult. Um, but it's more on like trivia. I don't know. It's kind of interesting stuff. Uh, the ins- inspiration is not for a movie coming out this week, which it usually is. But uh, I don't know if it might be on, on your list. But one of the things I, I watched half of uh, No Country for yeah. Old Men with with Sean this weekend. And we did talk about Tommy Lee Jones, and I talked about him a couple weeks ago when I watched JFK, and that he's a guy who is always old, right? Hmm. Him, just Steve like he was Martin. born old. Yeah. But really, yeah, how old was he when he really started, when he first got noticed, and when he was first making big movies? And I was like, I actually don't know. Like, I'm trying to think, what was the first big thing that he was in? And so I, I did some research on a bunch of these type of guys that in my head, like, oh, these guys are always old. So, um I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the movie, or unless you if you want to guess, you can try to guess the movie that is like their big breakthrough performance, and this is totally subjective, um, so that's why you don't have to really guess. But um, and I'll give you the year, but you can guess what age they were. Okay. So um, I'm just gonna start with Tommy Lee Jones, and this one's actually a little bit of a surprise, but also makes sense. Uh, do you want to guess well, what the first big movie is? You're not going to get it. The year so first, and I can try and make a guess on the movie f- from there. Okay. Uh, oh, from boy. 1980. Yeah, no. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Because I was like, I have no idea about this one. Um, uh, Halloween. <laughs> it's not Halloween. Uh, he was in a movie called Col- The Coal Miner's Daughter. Um, it was it was a nominated for Best Picture in 1980, way back when. Um, it is a biopic about a country singer, I believe. Um so that was in 1980. So what age did he was in 1982? I'll say he was 34. 33. Ooh. Split. Wow. <laughs> a tie? I don't know. Um, that was a tie. Was... Yeah, but so despite the fact that he was the co-lead in this Best Picture nominee, he really wasn't anything major for another 10 years. Yeah, with Fugitive. With like JFK and then later, of course, winning the Oscar for uh, The Fugitive. So yeah, he was really... He was already in his 40s by the time he, he was really famous. But again, you watch The Fugitive and you're like, is that a 42-year-old man? Like, he doesn't seem he seems like really he seems fit for old 60. already. But, um, he seems like he's 56. Yeah. Yeah, and also like uh, Men in Black, the whole yeah. plot of that is that he's well, old and wants to find a replacement. Danny Glover. It's like, oh, you're like 52 or something. <laughs> Oh, nope. yeah. He's on the list. I mean, so let's just go with Danny Glover. What a famous uh, can line. You guess what his, come on. <laughs> yeah, can you guess what his uh, big breakout project from 1987 was? But also Predator. Oh, Predator fucking, 2, I think he's yeah. in. Yeah, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, it's not long that after. That was in the 90s. It was, it was like 92 or something. So uh, how old was he in 1987 when he is getting ready to retire? I'm going to say in 1987 he was... 43. 47. Wow. And 41 years old. So pretty late to be making and a pretty big early to be getting there, ready to retire. Also, <laughs> yes. Uh, now, here's a, here's a famous old guy right here. How about uh, Morgan Freeman? Mm. And uh, I'm saying that his big, his big debut Shawshank? was in 1987, but he had been working for a long time. Yeah, was it Shawshank? Shawshank was 94. So this, uh, is a, this, Bruce is a Almighty. Ne- this is a movie I never heard <laughs> Just of. Just kidding. But he was nominated for an Academy Award, so I think it counts as his big debut. Yeah, uh, so 1987, a movie called Street Smart. Mm. But in 89, a couple years later, he was in Glory and Driving Miss Daisy. So those are two big ones for him. 
Uh, how old do you think he was in 1987? Oh, Morgan sh- Freeman. I'm going to go f- 51. I'm going to say he was 47. You guys split it again, 49. Jeez yeah. Louise. Yeah. Hey, we're getting close, though. We're like, yeah. we're shooting at the dartboard. We're right there. All right. Oh, uh, let's go with Joe Pesci. You like next. the oh, Benjamin Button. Uh, 1980 is his. Yeah. In 1980 was kind of his big breakout. Uh, is that Welcome to America? You know what movie that was? In 1980? Uh, it mm. is Raging Bull. Mm. So, in 1980. How old was he in 1980? Joe Pesci. I'm going to go... No. I'm going to say 1980, he was... Hold on. Still alive today. <laughs> I know he's alive. I Hold on. Give me give me a second here. Hold on. Don't say anything. Hold on. Hold on. I got it. I'm going to say 1980, he was... 1980, you said, right? Um, no. Fuck. I'll just say he was 41. I was going to say 40. Wow, that was my second guess. Oh, I was like, Because eh. I was basing it all off of Home Alone. It's like, is he really going to be running around at 50 years old? But I was like... Yeah, I don't good. even know what math I tried to do. Damn it. I almost said 37. That's a good point. Yeah, there's no way he was... Yeah, there's no way he was 50 in Home Alone, which came out right. like 1990 or 1989. Yeah, he would have been almost been 40. He would have been late 40s, yeah. Yeah. But not 50. Not 50. Uh, how about Gene Hackman, who I, I referenced earlier with the French connection there? Uh, his big breakout was in Bonnie and Clyde in 1967. So how old was Gene Hackman in 1967? Another guy that's still alive. He, he resurfaced in the news recently. Hackman's I think he lives in like El Paso. Yeah. Okay. What did you, you say? 67. Okay, big I'm going to say he was 38. I think he was a 1929 baby, probably sometime around March. You, what did you say, 38? <laughs> uh, whatever 1929 minus 1967 is. So, yeah, 38. I know. This isn't the price is right, Sean. Yeah, just get, let's go 39. Just go. God damn. All right, 37. Oh, hell yeah. How'd you feel God now, buddy? It. <laughs> it felt like going younger would be too early. What about Richard Jenkins? Oh, or... oh Richard, so Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins was, was a hard one to find. What was his Burn after reading or whatever? Step Brothers. Um, <laughs> I, chose, well, I chose me, myself, and Irene in the year 2000. So he worked with the Fairley Brothers a few times before, and he's, he'd been an actor. But this he was fifth billed in me, myself, and Irene, which I don't yeah. recall, but I didn't know who he was back then. Um, that was the uh, Jim Carrey movie. So that was in the I'm year 2000. 42. How old was he already in the year 2020? I'm going to say 48. Oh, my God. He was 53. Yeah. yeah. I knew he was. He, so that means he was so born he was, in 1940-something? 1947? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, he's in his 70s now. He was already 60. By I mean, now. I figured he was older than my, like, my dad and stuff. So I just tried to like mm-hmm. go back. Well, I've got another old one here. Okay. Dr. Seuss. Oh, that's impossible. I mean, he's been bald for like Bryce's birth. He's never had hair. Oh, that's the other one. You're thinking of Patrick Stewart. You had him him mixed. Yeah. Ian McKellen, uh, his his big breakout, uh, Oscar nominated for a movie called Gods and Monsters in 1998. So that's 
pre-X-Men, he was, pre-Lord he of the was Rings. Lord of the Rings. He was Gandalf? Yeah, he was Gandalf, so he was, was what age? Is he still alive? He is, yeah. 1988? In 1998. So, this was his like big breakout. Just one of those British guys who just acted in theater for yeah. 400 years before they made a Hollywood movie. Um, all right. I'm going to say 58. I'll let Sean go first. Right. I'm going to say 62. Ooh. He was 59 years old. Fuck. Close. Let's stick with uh, theater guys here. Uh, Brian Cox. So Brian Cox... I'm gonna I'm gonna say his big breakout role was as Hannibal Lecter in 1986's Manhunter. Of course, he got passed over uh, by Anthony Hopkins, Oscar-winning performance a few years later. But he was the original Hannibal Lecter. People probably he did win best pick, uh, best actor for that, didn't he? And, and for only like, I love when horror 13, movie actors 13. win best actor because it's like that is yeah. some of the best. And Anthony Hopkins is on the list too. I'll get to him maybe oh next. Uh, but in 1986, how old was Brian Cox? Yeah, the I don't McDonald's I don't buy that for a second that he's ever had McDonald's. <laughs> Um, Brian Cox in 1986 was definitely 46. It's because six rhymes with oh boy, Cox. Um, kind of. <laughs> let's go. Good for reason, Oh, you guys are way over. He was only 40, so oh, if he was 40. Well, that would make well, him. Like it's really it throws you off when they something. put him in a show and they're like, "You're so old, we kill you." <laughs> that messes with you, Andy. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how old uh, his character is supposed to be. Uh, his age. Mr. Roy. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that would mean uh, Brian Cox was 55 years old when he was uh, the captain in Super Troopers. Which captain is of what? Obviously his most iconic role that everyone remembers him for. Oh, okay. Eh, uh, what Super about, Troopers. You know, Troy. Yeah. Shit like that. Yeah. He would have been a couple years older because that yeah. was a couple years later. Badass. He was also in Braveheart in 1995. So between Manhunter and He's Braveheart, the there's only actors. like two things His no one ever heard of. List of um, you know business is so phenomenal. Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's just go with Anthony Hopkins, which I just mentioned. He was also one of these old guys. Uh, his his big breakthrough was in the Elephant Man in 1980. Ooh, wish. What year? Uh, so 1980. 1980. 1980, exactly. Oh, I know. 32. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 37. That seems to be a hit number right now. 42. What the fuck? He's, he's like 85 or something now, so he's uh, still alive, but you know. He also just uh, played, though. One. He had dementia. Here. Uh, so, J.K. Simmons. This is with you. Yeah. Yeah, he's always plays very old, but he is old. Uh, so J.K. Simmons. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say his breakout was Spider-Man in 2002. Who is he in Spider-Man? The Daily Bugle. J. Jonah Jameson. This is going to jack you up because he's... Paper boss. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That guy's funny. He's the Allstate or the so, State Farm guy. It's like, yes. how old can That's he how be That's how everybody now? knows him. So what year did you say? 2002? How old is he in 2002? Going 42. I got it. I'm going to say 45. Ah. 47. Ooh. So yeah, he was took him a long time to get into a, a big movie like you that. You never let your uh, and what, ambitions what get you down. You can make it at any time. Yeah, yeah. So the last one I got here, or no, I got two more. Um, the last one, or the second to last one, is uh, another guy who took a long time to get into things and kind of kind of disappeared. Um, Billy Bob Thornton. 
So uh, it, it he had to write and direct a movie in order to get into a big movie. Uh, 1996's Sling Blade. So how old do you think Billy Bob Thornton was? about the time he's running around with Angelina Jolie, right? I don't think yet. But not he was long after. This was his big breakout. People don't know who he was. Just some. I, I got he was it. Just some redneck. 19, and then he took over. Ninety six. You said. Yeah. You can go first, Tony. I have my number. I said thirty nine. Thirty eight. Ah. Oh. What is it? Forty one. I was hoping it was but 38 Isn't and a half. it impossible to imagine imagine Billy Bob Thornton being like 20? All I can see when I picture him is, right. I'm eating my fucking lunch or whatever he says in Bad Santa. Yeah. He just he's been an old guy. Um, and then the last one is kind of a famous one, a guy who took a long time to get into movies. But uh, once he did, he just did oh, not boy. stop. Uh, Sam Pulp, Jackson. Pulp Fiction? Yeah. So I'm, I'm putting his breakout as... I'm going to put in this Do the Right Thing in 1989 because it really was from there. He just started getting a bunch of roles in big movies uh, like uh, Goodfellas and Jurassic Park, even if they're small. But yeah, Pulp Fiction was really his big, huge breakout. But yeah, he was in uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing in 1989. Um, but how old was he already? He transcends uh, age. I'm going to say he was 43. 46. Oh. He was 41 years old. Yeah, so he was he was already in his 40s before everyone anyone ever wanted to put him in a in a big movie. Uh, there was that story that he was like arrested during one of the the civil rights things, and it's like, oh, I guess that makes sense for the timeline, but like that's also hard to imagine a like teenage Samuel L. Jackson was he allowed to still use the same words back then? Pretty good. Is that the whole game? I don't know. It, yeah, and it, I, I'm just, I think it's fun to think about how, like, I'm there's so many Steve of the reverse situations where, like, I didn't think about him, but wasn't he, he was, he was actually, like, in his 20s. He just looked old, you know? He had the gray hair. Yeah, he, he went gray very early, but think, that would fit the mold for the game. Like, when he was in The Jerk, how old was he? I almost watched that last night because that was on uh, Netflix as an option to watch, but I, uh, I surpassed it. A good movie or no? Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a long time, but like, probably watch it. It's fine. I don't know. I think I liked it more when I was younger. I tried watching The Three Amigos not long ago, and uh, I just couldn't get into it. I think I liked it a lot as a kid. All those movies are a different pace than modern movies. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a different time. VHS. You go through the hassle of putting it in the, you know, VHS player. You're not stopping. You are invested. You took it out of the jacket. You put it in there. You had to rewind it a little bit. You're you're pot committed at that point. We don't. So live I have to ask: is, is Steve Martin on your mind because th- this is the last few weeks we have with him? Yeah, because that show just came out. What happened? Is he dying? He's, he's killing himself. Yes. Really? No. Uh, but he he said this is the last project he's working on is the uh, only murders in the building, which uh, it came out today, uh, last season. So how old is Steve Martin? Seventy something. I don't know. Damn. Yeah, now now you're making me play the game, and I don't have the answers. <laughs> How old was Steve Martin in 1977? <laughs> I don't know. It's that's a tough game. I shouldn't have made you do it, but so he is 77. Okay. Well, now we can do what we're watching, right? Yeah, I think we're ready. So um, I listened uh, to you guys' pod last week. Good, well done, by the way, guys. But um, I know Andy paused on doing one because he knew I saw it as well, and uh, that's all I have on my list. Um, other than one show. 
Okay. I've got four. I've got two. You want to start us off then off-road? Yeah. Not yeah, I'll start off with the with the William Friedkin movie. So um, I bought uh, the 1985 film To Live and Die in L.A. on 4K a couple weeks ago, and I uh, recently got that from uh, the people who send the movies out. Um, but before I watched that, I was like, I should rewatch The French Connection. I watched it probably when I was a teenager or something. Uh, you know, an all-time classic crime movie. Um, but I hadn't seen in a while, and it was on the Criterion Collections where I, I watched that. So uh, I watched that and really enjoyed it from a from a new perspective. I would say, uh, just incredible filmmaking for the time. Just they were just doing crazy shit um, without permits. Like it's it's known for its incredible car chase, which was done without blocking off the streets of New York. They just had them drive against traffic against real people and filmed it. And it's just that's kind of a crazy idea that that got away with it um and that you put like gene hackman's life on the line by doing that but um very very relevant movie i would say and just how it just it's cops being shitty trying to they're trying to you know close the crime out and they're just doing whatever it takes and uh i think it's a very like modern look back i think back then cops were all heroes and they'd always solved the crime and they did everything right but um, this kind of kicked off that era, and this was in, from 1971. And uh, from there, we got a lot of films where it's like maybe the cops aren't aren't so good, you know? Like Serpico, um, another big one came out a few years later. Yeah, Crooked Cops. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think there's crooked everything. I mean, there's good cops, there's bad yeah. cops, just like there's good. But I'm saying the 70s was so pessimistic when it came to all that kind of stuff. Of course, well, that was right after they were like throwing stuff. spraying hoses at black yeah, people. Vietnam, civil Attica. rights, all that kind of stuff led to 1970s. Those, those movies are just super pessimistic. And yeah, the French Connection. He is not a hero. The, he's the protagonist, uh, Gene Hackman, but he is not a hero in any way. Um, and yeah, To Live and Die in L.A. is a is a nice successor to that. Comes came out in 1985. Uh, takes place in a very grimy L.A. Um, in the like Wilmington, um, San Pedro area. It's not it's not a Hollywood movie by any stretch. Uh, starring William Peterson of CSI um, in a in a very different role than the CSI role he was in. Uh, and Willem Dafoe as as the bad guy. So uh, Willem Dafoe is a is, would be an interesting choice for that game. But he was uh, he was very hard. like thirty when he made this movie. Um, it's hard to think of him as young, but he was he was young and uh, still weird. You know, he wasn't he was never normal. He was always who he is. Um, but yeah, this movie also has one of the craziest car chases in any movie. Um, and you know, just it's different back in the day when you didn't you couldn't rely on uh, CGI. So um, those yeah. are two very very good works. Two works you are not on any streaming services at the moment. So. Uh, I'm sorry to bring them up for anyone who's like, oh, I should check that out. But you could buy the 4K Blu-ray for To Live and Die in L.A. It is out. Uh, but it's good if you ever come across it. There you go. But it, it is from the 80s, so you, you have to... Just like we are talking about comedy, there, there's a different pace to movies back in the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I can do my TV show pretty quick. I started on Paramount, which I still have for free somehow. Uh, Special Ops Lioness from uh, one of my favorite writers and directors around, uh, Taylor Sheridan. He does, you know, drugs, uh, Marines, and cowboys very well. And um, 
This follows a group of operatives that are women that infiltrate, uh, you know, different terrorism uh, organizations through the wives or girlfriends of the bad guy so that they can learn where that guy will be so that they can blow him up. And uh, Zoe Saldana, uh, she's one of the main characters. Nicole Kidman's in it for a little bit so far. Um, Morgan Freeman's supposed to be in it at some point. We'll see. And uh, He's too old. Yeah. It's, it's fun so far. Um, I mean, if you like Sicario, like it's, it's kind of along those lines. It doesn't have those awesome, heavy orchestra uh, low notes, but... It's a, a decent show so far. There's only been three or four episodes that come out every Sunday. And they're only on Paramount Plus, to my knowledge. So if you like uh, Taylor Sheridan's stuff, give it a shot. All right, Tony, you want to go with yours here? Yeah, I'll, I'll knock out mine. I watched uh, two things. It'll be, it'll be quick. Uh, one was a, a little Netflix series that they've done called The, the Quarterbacks, where they follow around in a... Uh, it's like, you know, four or five episodes, whatever it is, but they follow around Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and uh, Marcus Mariota. And it's pretty cool to see because, you know, you get to like, you know, they're on the field, so you actually get to hear like the, you know, them when they're talking to their coaches and their teams on the sideline and the linemen and all that stuff. And it's pretty cool when you get to see that aspect of the game. It makes you actually honestly root for these guys a little bit more. Like it makes you not maybe not uh, like I would say the most out of all of them, like Kirk Cousins. Like it makes you actually be like, you know what, I you know, Kirk Cousins – I like the guy, you know, he's like a... He's corny, but he seems he, like a, a nice guy. He is, yeah, and he, he's uh, he's out there, he gets really excited, and it was like, they, they talked about one of the biggest things was when he went back to Washington uh, last year with Minnesota, and they were actually down, and he came back, and it was a pretty cool moment when they gave him, the coach gave him the game ball, because he said, this quarterback, he got knocked out for a play, he comes back in the very next play after... And they're like, you know, we were down by like 14 or whatever they were down by. And he said he came back and he's like, this game meant a lot to him because he was coming back to Washington where, you know, he was drafted from originally where when he was drafted, he was like, why the fuck are they drafting me? Because they drafted him right after a couple rounds after they drafted Robert Griffin, who was supposed to be, you know, who was their starter and supposed to be their big guy. So uh, stuff, it really does make you cheer for him. Patrick Mahomes, you watch that, it just makes you hate his wife even more than you already do. I mean, there's no secret there. She's just so annoying. <laughs> it's like there's no ifs and buts about that. And you also just can't take Patrick Holmes Patrick Mahomes seriously. I mean, he's just got that high-pitched cartoon voice that you're just like, what? But it is funny. It is the only thing I will take away is that it's cool seeing him out like fired up and composed he is on the sidelines. Like when they're, you know, when when a team does score to go ahead, like I think they showed the Bills game where it was like the Bills went ahead on a touchdown. And he's composed. It's like he wants to be in that moment. And granted, he threw the interception, and the Bills did beat them. But he he's he wants that moment. So I think I think that's good to have as your your quarterback, your leaders, somebody that wants that moment. But uh, do you think he's good enough to ever win a Super Bowl? No, that's probably not. And he's definitely not number one in the top hundred players uh, draft or uh, top players list that I saw today either. But. Uh, yeah, no, you, so you got to give credit where credit's due. He's good. But uh, I think out of all those, though, Kirk Cousins is the one that you're like, you know what, if I were to see Kirk Cousins win a Super Bowl, I wouldn't be that upset, depending on who it was against. But uh, yeah, so that's that for that. And then uh, the other thing I watched was last night, I was just cruising through Netflix and I wanted to watch a little short comedy that I hadn't seen in a while. And I so I watched a Liar Liar with mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. Uh, funny movie, dude. I mean, it's, it is just funny, the concept that, you know, he's a And Jim Carrey just... He's just so good at 
being those weird roles, like how he is. And I always just laugh because he's just so good at his overreactions and the I way he does. I always what's in the script in his movies versus what he does. Uh, yeah, that's that's a and good thing, like, too. Do Jim Carrey shit. So he is heart. really clever and quick because at the end of the movie, they showed like six, like, you know, six, eight scenes of bloopers. And there's the scene in the courtroom where he's yelling at the defendant's lawyer or whatever. And in the scene they're doing, they're insulting each other and they, whatever insults they give in the movie. And she goes. And so when she's about to give her insult, like whatever was in the script, she changes it and she says over actor. And before he even could say his line, he catches it and then just yells out her name and like, is like, and then she's, they start laughing and she's like, pointing at you know and saying like they put me up to it they told me to say that and like he's laughing and it's like it is funny but i've watched that one documentary about him on the the man on the moon when he played andy kaufman and like in that role he took it you know very serious like he he wouldn't even go by jim carrey in the when he was in character when he was on set liar liar is obviously different because he's playing a fictional character so he's just playing a you know, a lawyer who can't lie for 24 hours so i think it's easy to break character in that but when he actually played someone that was off of a you know, biography and stuff. He actually, he stuck to that character. And I know he, he's always been, I mean, he's always been a very unique, unique person. And he's, uh, he's good. He's one of the best. Also retired, just like uh, Gene Hackman. Is he retired? It's a bummer to think. Uh, he, he's, he's, you say he's a weird guy, weird performer. He is really a weird guy. No, he is. Life, so. Yeah, no, he is. What, uh, what was the last thing he was ever in? Sonic the Hedgehog too. That's, uh, yeah. yeah. Damn. He was great, though. He, he got dies. a great, great career for Jim Carrey. All right. You want me to take another one here? Yeah. Finish them off. I think you're the only one left until you guys do your little one at the end. Okay. So I saw the two movies that came out this week in theaters. Uh, start off with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem uh, animated film <laughs> um, written um, by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. So... Uh, nice to see them take over this this franchise here, um, along with some other writers, including the the director. Uh, I believe his name was Jeff Rowe, who was also one of the directors on Mitchell's versus Machines, an animated movie from a couple years ago that I really enjoyed. Um, it's pretty clear what the, uh, the the point of this movie was: is wow, that Spider Verse movie was good. Why don't we do the same thing with Ninja Turtles? And uh, they do, and I think they do it successfully. It's uh, a unique anim- animation style. The Ninja Turtles are believable young people, teenagers, if you will, uh, like the name says, uh, similar to Spider-Verse, and uh, just add a hip-hop soundtrack to it. So in this case, instead of being like modern music, it is uh, New York 90s, which is what uh, Seth Rogen is interested in. Seth Rogen always has like Wu-Tang references in his movies, and uh, so that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think this is, this is a really successful movie. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the kids that were there enjoyed it, it seemed like, um, which is like, you always feel weird watching like a kid's movie, but it is a kid's movie uh, made by Seth Rogen. And he does a little intro in the beginning. And I'm like, do you think these six year olds even know who this is? They, they can't, they don't, this is weird. Um, but yeah, one of, one of the standouts is, uh, the extended voice cast. Uh, it's just a lot of people from Seth Rogen's life. You know, you got Paul Rudd in there. You got uh Rose Byrne, uh, John Cena, um, Others, I'm trying to think about Post Malone is one of the voices. I'm not really a, a Seth Rogen guy, but uh, Paul Rudd is great. I, I love his uh, his character, the Mondo Gecko, I believe. He's just, he's just doing like a, a – he's doing the surfer guy character from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
but just in, in an animated movie. Um, you also have Ice Cube as the the main uh, villain in this. Uh, Jackie Chan as Splinter is a very very good performance. Uh, you would think like he did okay, all his stunts who, himself. Yeah, this is a guy who struggles with the language. Do you want him to be a voice actor? And the answer is yes, because that works perfectly for a mutated rat who is acting as a father to, to mutated turtles. It, it, it works. Uh, he has some, some really great lines in this movie. Uh, and it's, it's a whole lot of fun. So that's very nice. And then, yeah, the, the Ninja Turtles themselves are not played by any people you would know, uh, but they're played by real teenagers. And uh, what I saw is they actually had them record uh, all their, their dialogue together so that they could uh, make jokes that only teenagers would be able to write. That like Seth Rogen was great at writing jokes uh, for teenagers in the year 2003 when he was one and Superbad was a uh, a great success, but Seth Rogen could not write Superbad today because he's just, he's a 40 year old man. Uh, so relying on these, these young people to kind of really make it authentically, um, the, the turtles seem like they're 14 year olds. It really worked. So um, it's very good. That's, that's what I have to say on it. I'm very happy it exists. Nice. Cause Ninja Turtles are cool. I liked him as a kid. Uh, yeah. And then uh, the next one is Meg 2, The Trench. And uh, this was certainly an interesting one. Uh, two halves of a, of a movie here that are different and both successful and both bad at the same time. Uh, this is a higher budget sci-fi original in, in a lot of ways. Um, but you could say the original Meg was also kind of the same thing. But... Uh, yeah, the first half of the movie is kind of like a sci-fi movie, very reminiscent of the movie Underwater, which came out a few years ago. Um, you know, exploring exploring the trench. They're getting in there oh, in the yeah. trench. And they got to have diving suits and submarines and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, the sharks are there, but they're really not the point. Like, the danger is, is in being underwater, which we know is super dangerous now from... Uh, we all know about that from the past couple months. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and it reminded me more like aliens and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, the bad guys are really the evil corporations who are trying to uh, do their own explorations into the trench. And are they doing it for science or are they for doing it for profit? And it's just like, this is kind of a weird uh, story. But then eventually it gets into, all right, yeah, they're big giant sharks and they're going to come attack people and we need to go stop them. And that's a lot of fun, but also just stupid and terrible and cheesy uh but fun which is i guess what you need like there's a point where jason statham does a barrel roll on a jet ski and like i don't think that or who hasn't done. done that andy but <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I i like it and he's holding a harpoon that he's gonna he's gonna kill a 50 foot shark with a harpoon but he also put like a bomb in it so it'll explode and it's like i don't know what's going on or how this is possible um there's also some other monsters from the trench that find their way up into Earth or surface Earth. I don't know. Uh, that's a lot of fun. I wish there were more of that. If that was just like, hey, this is like a Godzilla where there's just a million crazy. Weird yeah, monsters. I was gonna say, is, is he pop up? Uh, Godzilla's from the from the trench too. We all know. What about a giant octopus or anything like that? Uh, well, you guessed it. Sorry. <laughs> really? Yeah, that's what you got it. Well, wasn't there an octopus in the first one too? I don't think so. But yes, that's there was. A, I don't know. It starts know. squeezing the the little car down there, maybe, and that uh, Japanese lady is going to die, and then yeah. a big shark, maybe the megalodon, comes over and eats some of it. Yeah. 
and it like you know purple blood in the water or whatever it does and but there are some other little, other creatures that i want to spoil that are gigantic remi- seahorse yeah um no it's all confirmed it's not a gigantic seahorse but maybe that's for okay. the third one yeah um, gotta save something for the, the end yeah uh but it that is what it is it's you know <laughs> it's got really bad reviews and i feel like it doesn't deserve that because it's like you know, it's a dumb movie but it's a fun movie yeah. i just watched the meg one uh i don't know this weekend at some point because it's a summertime movie it's stupid they're in the water it makes you feel like you're going on vacation without leaving your house it's nice i'm not going to go to see this in theaters but i will watch it when it goes on hulu or wherever it lands yeah should be on hbo it's a it's a warner brothers property so well, they need to add something fast because as i was telling you over the weekend they haven't put anything on there of substance in a long time and understand the new show came out i'm Win- talking movies. winning time season two i'm talking about movies yeah. all right yeah i Joe told Clo- you the flash will be on there soon enough so it'll save oh, you yeah i could care michael less, keaton is back shall we close with oppenheimer sure so I saw this in a regular theater because seeing it at our IMAX here at the Spectrum or the District, whatever, whichever one it is, is almost impossible. They were filled up for like two weeks out. And I read online that thing is breaking down, at least it was, like two or three showings a day every couple days. So it sounded like it was a complete mess. And I, I wouldn't be surprised because the film weighs... 600 pounds and is gigantic this thing probably is just breaking their stand or something so i did see that they're going to extend its run through the end of this month at least because there's not much coming out uh that would demand taking those screens up so um if you do want to check it out like august 23rd or something you might be able to get a a seat then but but um, regular needs it yeah regular based based on what the movie was yeah based on what the movie was i don't know if it needs it i still am interested in it but I don't think it's it's necessary at all. I enjoyed this, but I imagine for the dumber people in the world, this is like reading a movie, you know, a foreign language movie without the reading because you kind of need to focus and understand things. You don't need to understand quantum mechanics and physics and all that, but you need to just... It's an intellectual movie. It's not... We have to go forage for these rings before this gigantic alien steals them and gets the power. It's it's not one of those movies. Um, wouldn't you agree, Andy? I think you're, you're I think you're being very insulting to one of the greatest films of all time. But um, yeah, you do have to you do have to pay attention. I think it's long, but nothing is um, wasted. No, you know every every second it doesn't is it doesn't drag on. And it, it flows right into every scene, even if it's like skipping time. It like makes sense where they're going, and it's like there's not yeah there's not anything I would look at and be like you could have cut this. It's like everything makes sense, and it, and it goes it's very quick. It gets into the next scene right away, and it it, it builds that tension. Um, I know one of the problems that other people have had, and I think is is, is a good criticism. But there's a moment where that tension kind of dies down, and that pace kind of slows. Um, but I think it, I think it all makes sense in the end, um, for me at least. It were it still worked, but um, yeah. Do you have that problem? You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, yes, but yeah, the movie is building towards an event, and then the event happens, and there's still an hour left in the movie. And you're like, hmm, okay. It, it, but it's so you know, like 
I don't know. The whole thing is kind of like a history lesson. It's like, well, yeah, what what yeah. what are the repercussions of doing this? And you know, I know I felt like it was, you know, everyone knows what happened, so it's not like that was a you know save the that for the end. Like I enjoyed it. I thought Killian was phenomenal, and uh, everyone was you know very well done. Um, definitely one. It was re-watch. nice to see like a bunch of. It was like seeing a bunch of friends you hadn't seen in a while. Yeah. Like, oh, Josh Harden hit Yeah, Crumholtz. How you doing? Know, that was weird to see him. Like, <laughs> you were supposed to be in Santa Land. Yeah. But yeah, I enjoyed it. Um like I said, I'll I'll probably watch this again when it comes on. Where will this be if it's not Warner Brothers? Universal, which peacock? makes it a peacock movie. You have to it won't be uh, as fast. Christopher Nolan Christopher Nolan signed like a crazy deal when with Universal. Where it was like it won't be on Peacock for like forty five years. Mm-hmm. It'll go in a vault first, yeah. and you like will have to go find private screenings the of Disney it or something. Vault. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, go check it out uh, if you haven't seen it. It's three hours long, so uh, be comfortable. That was my one complaint: is the theater was hot, and <sighs> I also meant to write, talk about this. Some asshole fell asleep and was snoring incredibly loud. Um, somewhere in front of us, I went to a 4.45 p.m. showing, so middle of the work week, wasn't, you know, 11 o'clock showing, it's not a boring movie, it's an incredibly loud movie, so how are you asleep during it? Um, I thought that was rather bizarre. Yes. I thought I lost you guys there for a second. Did you fall asleep? I think, I, yeah, I fell asleep too. <laughs> I was thinking very deeply about it. Yeah, no, it's not It's not great to, to fall asleep in, in movies, especially if you are an audible sleeper, which... It was very obnoxious. Uh, you, you think you need to... Like, I, I've had... Um, you know, my dad's fallen asleep in a movie. Like, not like a full-on, you slept through the whole thing, but like, you know, nodded off and I've had to nudge him. But, you know, that, that's a thing and that's... You know, I you have to have some compassion because that's probably my, where my future lies as well. But um, it's really on the people around him. Why did you not wake this this person up? We wanted to throw popcorn at him. I was there with my brother in law, but not enough, we couldn't yeah. really see where he was. We just knew he was in front of us, not like directly in front of us, but somewhere down there. Yeah. I don't know, but weird. But yeah, anything else to add? I think we covered it all. All right, yeah. We've been listening to episode 336 of the Tony's Take Podcast. I'm Sean, and joined with me, we had Off-Road Andy. Thank you. And Tony Katz. Yes, thank you. See you later.